welcome to another edition of the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. And I'm Bill Hope, CEO of Gigapower. Hey, Bill. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you could uh, join us here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure thing. So the big uh, recent news is that uh, AT&T and BlackRock closed the deal right on the joint venture forming Gigapower. And, uh, and you also put an update out on some of the initial markets uh, that will make up part of the the 1.5 million locations that will fall that you're going to build to that are going to fall outside of AT&T's legacy uh, wireline footprint. So uh, that was an uh, interesting announcement. A lot a lot of the ground that was covered, which was great. But what uh, just to kind of get our bearings and what are some of the next steps and near term uh, near term priorities for you and uh, Gigapower? That's a good question. I, I think first um, we're going to continue to ramp up uh, AT&T's customer activations in Mesa. And so that customer base is continuing to grow. It's uh, exciting to see that uh, phase of the projects take off. Um, we're going to continue to build in the markets that we announced uh, as part of the announcement. Um, we've got a few additional markets to, to finalize and, uh, and that'll locked in for the full 1.5 activations. And then we're preparing for the additional the addition of another ISP onto the uh, onto the network. So um, we've got quite a bit uh, ahead of us, but uh, a lot of good momentum. Okay. Now have have buildouts already begun then they effectively, have. even though the deal just even even as the deal was being closed, I guess. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been actually building uh, while we were in the process of uh, getting the deal closed. And so that's given us a, a great uh, leg up. We haven't been public about it uh, because, you know, we weren't an entity until yesterday. Okay. But uh, now that we are, uh, we can talk about the markets that we've already got locked in and several of them are in construction right now. Okay, great. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, you announced some of the uh, individual cities and general locations where Gigapower is going to be building. I think Las Vegas was on there. There's a set of cities in Arizona, Mesa, you mentioned Chandler, Gilbert uh, were on there and a couple areas in Northeastern Pennsylvania and parts of uh, Alabama and Florida. So um, when, when you kind of look at that group or as we look at it, um, have you already figured out all of the markets that are gonna constitute that 1.5 million number or are there still some to be determined as you proceed with your analysis? Yeah, we've uh, got some pretty strong candidates. As I mentioned before, they're not finalized, mm-hmm. okay. but uh, but we've got uh, good candidates in the hopper and they're progressing in various stages. So I would expect that uh, you'll start to see some additional announcements as we get those locked in in the near future. Right. And how, uh, yeah, can you offer any color kind of on how you expect Gigapower to release this information? Is there like a cadence you're thinking about in terms of making market announcements or, or will you just, will you put the information out as soon as you, as you get something locked up? Yeah. As soon as we lock it in, uh, we're going to announce it so that uh, um, communities know that we're coming. Okay. Yeah. And what is, what is going to be the process too um, uh, in, in the individual markets? Cause I think in the past we, we've seen entities like stand up like a web page, right. And say, Hey, you know, we're coming to the city, you know, sign up to get information. Is that how 
you're going to proceed or how, how are you going to kind of get the word out in some of the markets? Yeah. So we're a, we're a wholesale provider. So we really mm-hmm. don't have a, you know, kind of a retail presence. So the ISP would do that. Um, so AT&T in this case as our anchor uh, customer would uh, um, tell communities that they're coming. They have a notify me system where you can put in your address and, uh, as soon as service is available, they've got a system to notify customers that service is now available to be ordered. Um, a lot of that will be done through the internet service provider. Okay, great. And I thought it was really good in the the, the press event you had. Uh, by the time people are listening to this, it'll be a few days, but uh, it was great because I think one of the big questions was, "Hey, what are the what's the criteria that you're using?" to select these markets. And you had mentioned on the press call that being the first fiber provider to the home in a market is a a pretty key criteria or maybe the primary criteria, but what other uh, types of criteria are kind of tied into the decisioning? Yeah, well, there's, uh, you know, the growth of a particular community, the propensity to purchase uh, the products that we're going to be offering. Um, there's, you know, the willingness of the community to uh, cooperate with us and, and partner with us uh, in terms of permitting and franchise agreements and things like that. So uh, all of those factors come into play as you start to um, decide which markets you're going to go make an investment in. Right. And for, for the ones that you've announced then, so you have already had those discussions with the local authorities, and I assume you you need to have that wrapped up and tied up together before you proceed. Yeah, our our process is a really early engagement of those community leaders um, before we even make a decision on whether or not we're going to make an investment. We meet with those community leaders, um, try to understand what their requirements are in terms of uh, permitting, in terms of restoration, things like that. Um, what the franchise agreement might look like. And all of those discussions happen up front because it's important that we have the right partnership with those communities. We're going to be there for a long time and we want to make sure that we've got the right partners when we make a, you know, several hundred million dollar investment in a community. All right. Well, one thing you know, tied into that too is like the, um, the reason to take this approach with a uh, joint venture, right? Versus... AT&T going off and, and say, hey, you know, we'll just expand outside our own footprint on our own. Uh, in this instance, can, or can you maybe walk us through a little bit some of the strategic reasoning to, to do it in this joint venture format? And, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the open access piece of it, but I imagine they all kind of go hand in hand. But I thought from a top level or high level, uh, if you can kind of walk us through the, the reasoning. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's a very capital efficient way for AT&T to expand its footprint out of territory by having a, a partner investor like BlackRock. Um, it's uh, also a great uh, opportunity for us to get this open access platform stood up and uh, have AT&T as the anchor customer, but also have the opportunity to add additional internet service providers to, to the platform. We think that those shared network uh, economics are pretty compelling. And so the combination of those together um, made this the right move for AT&T and BlackRock and and for Gigapower. Okay. And how, uh, when you're looking at the build-out target, right, uh, for the phase one, I guess, is what it's been referred to, 
Uh, how comfortable are you with the expectation that you'll be able to complete this phase to the 1.5 million locations by sometime in 2025, right? Because I'm asking that just because, you know, for the last year or two, we, you know, we, we do, we have heard a lot about supply chain constraints, you know, there, there, it seems like it's easing, but, you know, it's kind of, it feels like it's still looming in some areas. And then there's also access to labor, right? That's a very critical part of this. And, uh, you know, 2025 was mentioned, but uh, yeah, I was just curious if, if you feel pretty good about that and, and what you're doing to kind of uh, reduce or mitigate, you know, some of the, the issues I mentioned. Yeah, we feel pretty good about the uh, 2025 uh, completion date. Um, we've had good success uh, locking down contractors for uh, the various markets. So they've already been contracted and engaged. Um, so we feel like uh, we've got the right resources uh, um, ready to go and build. Uh, I think also what you're seeing in the marketplace is people pulling back a little bit on their build plans that a lot of the carriers are dialing back uh, some of their 2023 plans, if you've seen some of the announcements. And so that's also helping to ease um, what was, uh, you know, constrained market for resources and materials. Okay. So there's kind of some slack out there in the market that you yeah, can pull? Yeah, a little bit of slack. It's, yeah. I don't want to say that it's, uh, that we're completely out of the woods on, you know, labor issues and supply chain issues, but it does appear to be easing. Right. And for, for those aspects of it, um, you know, since it's a joint venture, for, for that piece of it, are you going to be relying a lot on uh, AT&T to, to help you get through that? Because I wasn't sure from an organization standpoint, right, what constitutes gigapower, right? We know you're, you're heading it, but I wasn't sure from uh, like the operational aspect. Is it completely separate, you know, from AT&T as a company? It is. It's a completely standalone uh, company. It's got its own financial systems, its own, you know, kind of HR systems, uh, engineers, uh, you know, leaders to go lead the build operationally. Now we do rely on contractors uh, to do quite a bit of the construction. So we don't have any heavy equipment or, you know, kind of in-house construction crews. Um, but we, uh, we do have uh, a team that is, you know, oriented toward getting these builds done in each of these markets. And it's a standalone organization. Now, are you going to be like hiring like crazy then? Because <laughs> it have sounds been like you're hiring. going from like zero to a hundred here, you know? We, we have been hiring. I, I think yeah. right now uh, we're, you know, 70 people in the organization altogether uh, growing uh, over time as we ramp these builds. So yeah, we are definitely hiring. Okay. And uh, profitability wise, I don't know how much detail you can go into, right? Um, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the, uh, you had talked, I had asked a question earlier on the press event about the anticipated costs and, and you had mentioned it's going to vary by market and whether you're building aerial or underground plant. Um, you know, and I guess as you go through this, uh, what kind of mix are you focused on? I mean, I, I can only assume that aerial would be the, the preference because that would be the lower cost, but yeah, I didn't know if it's like half and half or is it heavily weighted toward aerial? You know, what, what based on, the criteria as you move forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important part is, um, is the market attractive to begin with? I mean, is the geography attractive? And a lot of times um, it's going to give you what it gives you. Um, in a place like uh, Mesa, where there's beautification standards, everything has to be underground. 
um, in a in a market, uh, you know, like uh, Wilkes-Barre in Scranton, um, you're going to have a fair amount of aerial. So I think, um, you know, from purely if you just looked at it from a cost perspective, sure, everyone would prefer aerial. Um, but, you know, I think uh, we have to take uh, all of the factors into account. We're doing some micro trenching as well. And so that also gives us uh, a different cost and speed profile. Uh, so it's, you know, again, it's highly dependent on, on the market that, that's, that we're in. Okay. But when you put it all together, it sounds like you still feel comfortable. You'll, you can stay within a range of costs that, that fit your cost profile, I guess. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we feel really good about that. Okay. And uh, I was kind of curious also is the kind of the business model for GigaPower, right? So you have AT&T on board as an anchor tenant. You're going to have other ISPs. Uh, so you're a wholesaler in, in that respect. So uh, yeah, I don't know how much detail you can give. I'm kind of curious as to how uh, the business model is put together uh, under the open access model and the fact that you're you're the one that's building it. Yeah, I think uh, we certainly anticipate that uh, um, there, there'll be a portfolio of ISPs that we'll um, have in a particular market, um, probably market by market. Um, I think that what we want to try to do is um, find a good complementary uh, group of ISPs that go after segments that they others might not be going after and maybe have a, a bundle or a proposition that... Um, um, would be unique uh, for that particular ISP and be successful in the marketplace. Um, we want to try to avoid just raw cannibalization uh, between ISPs. I think that's not good for anybody or, or anyone's business model. So we're, we're being very thoughtful about the portfolio and how we select ISPs to, to be on the platform. Okay. And the, the main focus here is broadband connectivity, right? You're, you're not worried about video services, phone services, all these other things. But if you're an ISP, right, coming in and you're like, well, obviously I want to sell broadband service. Um, do they, will they have the leeway to offer video or, or, or do, you, do you anticipate that this would be broadband with maybe whatever, if they have some sort of marketing deal with like a virtual MVPD versus creating their own, own video infrastructure or is that an option they can take? They, they can take it. I mean, really, the traffic that transits our network is really not, um, it's completely up to the ISP. So if they want to offer a VoIP phone service over broadband, they could do that over the top. Um, they could do video service over the top. Um, you know, obviously, there are lots out there to choose from. And so there's uh, really no limit in terms of uh, what an ISP can offer, you know, as long as it, you know, is technically supported from a broadband perspective. Okay. Great. And um, obviously a big step forward with getting the, the deal announced and being becoming GigaPower as an entity. But when you put together everything, right, you've got, you've got a lot going on. You've got a lot of markets you're going to go after. Uh, you're pursuing others. But when you look at everything together, uh, at least in the near term, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge ahead for you, right? Maybe it's one of the things we already talked about. Yeah, I, I think it's it's meeting the demand that we've received uh, from other ISPs in the marketplace. Um, you know, it's uh, we've gotten good, you know, kind of uh, 
responses from uh, a lot of ISPs. And so we think that's probably going to be one of the bigger challenges. And the other one is just, uh, you know, trying to meet the demand from the number of communities that want us to come. And I think those two things are, are uh, challenging uh, because, you know, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to meet all the demand and I'm not sure we're capable of doing all that. So, um, but it's, it's exciting to, to have, uh, that's a, first-class problem to have. Right. You said, yeah, you're getting a lot of interest from ISPs, right, in, in some of these markets. Uh, if you had a, I know you probably, well, if you want to, you can name them. <laughs> if you can't, if you, anecdotally, or how would you characterize who you're hearing from? Is it, you know, lo, like groups of uh, very local companies or national companies that are, that want to enter a market and ride, ride the network. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's a big mix, but if you boil it down, what are you, what are you seeing? It, it is a, it is a mix. We're, we're seeing some interest from other ILEX. We're seeing interest from cable. We're seeing interest cable. from, uh, we're seeing interest from, uh, I'll call them non-facility based ISPs. Like you can kind of fill in the blank on some of those. Um, some are national, some are local, mo- mostly national though. Uh, and so, and we've actually gotten some uh, very, uh, I'll call them unique or emerging business models where um, uh, particular companies want to bundle broadband with another product. Okay. And so there, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to approach this, I guess. Everyone yeah, has, a absolutely. Different, it's not like one uniform thing, like this is what everybody's doing. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of optionality in, in terms of uh, what you can support. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, and real quick, right? You also mentioned that there was some interest in looking at opportunities beyond the initial target of 1.5 million locations, right? And uh, I know you're still trying to figure out what to do with 1.5, but where are you in that part of the process, right? Is have you already started to explore that, or is that, you know, like, hey, let's further out on the horizon or is it on the front burner? Yeah, it's on the front burner. It's uh, we have a pretty structured process that we follow and uh, we've got lots of opportunity in the top of the funnel. And as we kind of go through our selection criteria and use the tooling that we have, they're making their way through the funnel at various stages. And so we've got, you know, several markets that are nearing the bottom of the funnel that are beyond the 1.5 million locations that we've, initially announced. Okay. Stay tuned. I mean, do you expect, um, I mean, 2023, or do you think you'll be, you know, uh, already looking to expand this year or I don't know how said front burner. So timing wise, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. I think that could, could be a real possibility. Okay. All right. Um, we talked a little bit about it, but I'd like to maybe dig in further to the, the open access model a bit more. Um, and talked about it earlier, but I mean, how critical, is that piece of it with respect to making the, the joint venture work, you know, as a financial success? Yeah, I think uh, with an anchor customer like AT&T, we've, we think that uh, that's, that proposition is going to um, actually produce pretty good penetration in the marketplace. Um, we think that those returns will get even better uh, when we add a second or third ISP um, in the, in the portfolio. So I think that, 
Um, it's not a make or break to have the second or third ISP on there, but it certainly makes the returns a lot more attractive. Okay. And uh, so you said, you know, you were hearing from a lot about, there's a lot of interest from ISPs, a lot of different types of ISPs, different ways they want to uh, head into the market by working with the, uh, with GigaPower. Uh, I guess, number one, can you talk a little bit about like what the process is? Like if I'm an ISP and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm looking at Northern Pennsylvania, you know, some of the markets that you've got there, how do I get involved? And then tied into that, is there a limit in terms of the number of ISPs that you'll allow in a specific market, right? Because obviously you don't want to oversaturate the market with service providers and, and, and make it really difficult uh, you know, for, for everybody to um, get a return on what they're doing. Yeah, I think there's uh, we're taking, a, again, a, a portfolio approach to this. Um, each market will have its own, uh, I'll call it ISP portfolio. And, you know, that'll, you know, probably uh, limit the number of ISPs we would want, uh, depending on the market and the and the, the profile of that portfolio. So I think that, uh, you know, sometimes more is not better. And, uh, you know, we're probably we're being very thoughtful about how how we construct this portfolio um, in, in each market. Okay. Right. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was um, uh, bead <laughs> since bead is on the, uh, the horizon. And uh, again, another thing that we talked about you know, that had come up on the, the press event a few days ago, but can you elaborate a bit on how GigaPower would consider participating in that program? Uh, you know, once we, know the dollars that are going to be allocated to the states and you know would gigapower then look to apply for these funds on its own um and and then apply the open access model that you're that you're going to be using in the other markets yeah i think it's a uh, really good fit as uh, we talked about uh, previously um i think the opportunity for a community to pick a provider like gigapower um, as an open access provider and have multiple ISPs come into their community and offer service to, to their residents is, uh, is a great model because they don't have to pick uh, a particular provider um, to provide the service. They can pick GigaPower and get multiple providers to provide the service and, and really offer choice and competition in their market. So I think we're a great fit for Bead. The feedback we've gotten from a lot of the state broadband directors has been positive in the, in the model that we've seen. And, and so, uh, I think that, uh, I think that we'll embrace, uh, the, the bead, uh, opportunity. Um, it's also a partnership with our ISPs. We want to go to places where our ISPs, uh, that are going to be riding on the network want to be. So we don't want to build a network that nobody wants to go offer service on. And so right. it's a, it's a partnership for us to, to consider where we would go bid on bead opportunities and, where ISPs would would want to offer service, right? And do you consider then Bead would really be your path into GigaPower's path into the rural market? Because everything else is more like urban suburban, right? Yeah, I I think that even in urban suburban, there are areas that are opportunities that are um, underserved from a uh, from a broadband perspective, and I think even some of those areas will be opportunities for Bead. Um, people generally go to the rural part of the equation and 
we certainly think that's an opportunity as well. But surprisingly, there's still a lot of suburban urban opportunity that uh, that are underserved today that that GigaPower might be able to help out with. Okay. Well, those are all the big things I had, Bill. I know we, we covered a lot of uh, ground, but uh, yeah, is there anything else that that you know GigaPower is working on, focused on, that you think is important to point out that maybe we I didn't even touch on? No, I think we're you know obviously excited about the opportunity to to bring this uh, you know kind of commercial open access platform to the U.S. in a in a scaled way. And uh, we're excited that uh, the interest has been so high from ISPs to, to ride on top of the network. And so um, it's a great opportunity for us to, to really bring a different model to the U.S. and, and take this uh, shared infrastructure model um, to, to another level. So we're excited by the opportunity and we think that uh, there's a lot, lot, lots to come. We're just at the very beginning of this. All right. Well, great. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it today, uh, Bill. But thanks again for joining the podcast. Uh, it's great to, to get a lot more detail about what you uh, what you have going going forward. But you know, we're definitely going to keep tabs on your progress and uh, you know, hope to stay in touch on it. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to tell our story today. Sure thing. All right. Thanks, Bill. Take care.